It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Goose house. All right, back to our regularly scheduled basketball season programming of sorts. We got a game today. Let's talk about it. You are Locked On Cougs, your daily podcast on the Houston Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Cougs, daily podcast about your Houston Cougars. I'm your host, Houston-born teacher and coach, Parker Ainsworth, here to break down all things Cougs. If you're a U of H fan or just a hater can step by, please be sure to subscribe down below. That way we get the podcast in your feed each and every day. We appreciate you making Locked On Cougs your first listen of the day. Welcome back to the YouTube channel as well. Uh, we are over 310 subscribers as I'm looking at this right now. You guys are amazing. Continue to hit that subscribe button. Tell your friends to do the same. Uh, remember, when we get to 500 and do another giveaway. The one from 250 went great. More on that later. I'm hoping later this week, if not early next week. Once we get to 500, do another giveaway. I haven't decided what we want to give away yet, uh, so you can comment down below if uh, you got ideas on what we should do there. We're thinking a t-shirt type size thing, so don't get too crazy. Um, the other thing I'll say, too, is if you cannot think of what uh, to comment today after watching this video, tell us if you like to work out or exercise first thing in the morning or late at night. And if you're late at night... I don't know how you go to bed afterwards. Other than watching a bunch of these episodes, of course, you don't fall asleep during Lockdown Cougs, but maybe I don't. Um, so today's episode is going to focus entirely on previewing the SMU basketball game. Uh, probably the last time for a long time that SMU comes through the Fertitta Center tonight. I will be previewing the game today and then tomorrow breaking it down and probably also doing some preview of Cincinnati over the weekend. Um, you know, trying to do, do a little double duty tomorrow. Who knows? Um, probably depends on how tonight's game goes. Um, to, the segments today are going to be fairly simple. The first we're going to look at what Samson to say earlier this week. Uh, he spoke on Tuesday. Um, we we're doing football and recruiting talk at that point, so we can talk about it. We'll talk about what Samson had to say about the SMU game on Tuesday. Kind of see if we can take him, read between his thoughts. Second segment's going to be more X's and O's, nitty gritty kind of stuff. Look at the matchups, or as I see what the matchups will probably be like. Um, we'll also look at kind of what SMU runs in offense and defense, because I got a couple looks at them. They played on Christmas Day against Hawaii. I saw that game, and then they played against TCU. I pulled that one up to watch as well. So I have some ideas what they, they want to run. And then the third segment is going to be kind of what you what I uh, think is my prediction. You get to hear a little bit more about like what I think the game will look like. But first, in the first segment, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about Samson's words. Um, Samson, first of all, I should say, uh, if you're new to the Cougs, um, he talks about everyone fairly glowingly. There's no such thing as a bad team in college basketball. Um, and, and I will say, I appreciate that like a team like Houston that plays in the American conference this year, as talented as they are, could probably get a little ahead of themselves at some times. And I don't think Samson's one to, as a coaching staff ever let that happen. Right. Um, but he said that, you know, they've gotten a lot better. They've gotten better in transition, especially this season. Um, pulling up their head coach's name is Rob Lanier. Um, it is his first season there. I didn't realize he was a Georgia State guy before. That's a Sun Belt Fun Belt uh, <laughs> Fun Belt Conference, um, and so he he is turning around the program a little bit. And frankly, as soon as he got there, he went and got some um, bigger Power Five type recruits from the DFW Metroplex to come back 
uh, to SMU and has had a little bit more success as the season's gone on and gelling that. Um, Samson pointed out that uh, Zurich Phelps, their like leading scorer, is leading the American Athletic Conference in scoring. Um, he's getting like twenty, like exactly twenty points a game. Um, I, I anyway, he's getting exactly twenty points a game, and I will say that they seem to do a lot of things to get him the ball heading downhill. We'll get to that in the X and O's bit in a second, but he was very much on Samson's radar in his conversation. Um, he pointed out that Zach Nuttall was an all Southland Conference guy at his previous stops. Uh, pardon me. Uh, Zach Nuttall was at Sam Houston State before graduating early and coming to SMU as a grad transfer last season. Um, Nuttall himself is another guard. That's two perimeter guard type guys to keep an eye on. Um, and uh, Samson is keeping his eyes on. He Samson himself knows that there was a midseason move they made in their starting lineups. They took uh, Zurich Phelps off of the point guard and moved him to more of a wing type position. And then they started uh, a kid named Jalen Smith at the point guard because that opened up another guard spot. They'd uh, been starting uh, another uh, a, a big man, as if I'm understanding this correctly, uh, 6'8", so he's kind of one of those tweener guys, but Stefan Sidorovic. Um, and he still plays a lot of minutes. He plays, he's the sixth man right now. Um, but that move Samson sees as a kind of turning point for them as a team and has opened up a lot of the ways that they play. And so he's kind of looking at more those games, like I said, the TCU and Hawaii game, more of more recent note because they look a little bit different than they did early in the season. I think it's really important to note, uh, and I, I'm glad Samson pointed that out because uh, SMU is six and eight on the season. But they're playing a very different level of basketball in the last like three weeks than they were the first month, right? And so the Samson was quick to point out that that's kind of the key to him. I thought it was interesting. Um, I think the biggest name transfer they brought in, though, and uh, Samson brought up, I had forgotten um, that their their quasi big man Samuel Williamson's kind of a, a Williamson. He's a uh, you know a six eight. I think he's listed. Was he listed at two ten? Big strong kid. Uh, that's listed as a forward, does some down low stuff, does some outside stuff. He was McDonald's All-American um, several years ago. He's a whatever year it is, senior now. It's, it's not just four. Um, but he started off at Louisville um, and, frankly, got to Louisville when they were like kind of making their big-time run. They come off their own like Elite Eights and those kinds of things when he got there several years ago, right? And so um, I, I would come that as a win if I were a Coach Rob Lanier to get an athlete like that back to SMU. And so – all that is to say that Samson is not taking these guys lightly and points out several athletic problems they have or that they provide. But I'd say that was pretty brief in his comments about SMU. Um, obviously, being Tuesday, he talked a little bit um, about the Buffalo Bills situation the night before. And kind of frankly, it, without harping on that too much, um, I, I do think it's interesting that he pointed out like it kind of makes every athletic program in the country reevaluate like, all right, do we know where our AEDs are? Do we, are we like if someone goes into shock on the floor, do we know what we're doing? And um, he feels very like he took the moment to like pr- plug the athletic training staff and the staff that got uh, at U of H as being so, so uh, skilled, talented. And frankly, he said like they even like had a moment in this preseason where they went through and taught the kids how to use it and where they were in the facility. Um, cool moment, I thought, as far as like being timely and tying those kinds of lessons into your own program and just let you know like samson's always thinking right he is always he kind of strikes you as like he is a grandpa now he's kind of like 
old wise man kind of stuff, but he is always thinking ahead. It's like, okay, what comes next? Um, and then people ask him about recruiting. It does sound like, um, you know, there's some movement there. Uh, redshirt freshmen to be traveling with the team the rest of the way this season. We have another kind of couple of days in between games next week. We'll talk some more about basketball recruiting, hopefully. But um, it looks like, uh, like those were kind of, the questions coming from the audience were not um, rather from the media were not like super focused at SMU. So after he gave a big opening spiel there, he was kind of brief and focused a lot more on his culture and his team and what they're doing. And at this point, in the American conference athletic se- season, I feel like that's, that's probably worth noting. I, I just, I was refreshed that they're not taking this game lightly based on how much work he'd done for those opening couple of questions. And if I were a betting person, I'd imagine that he probably does that for every game all year long. And if you're a betting person, you should go to betonline.net. Now, betonline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, analysis. You get the latest odds and trends from every professional and amateur league out there, from pro football to college bowl season, basketball, World Cup. They got it all at betonline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at betonline.net as well. It's always the fastest and easiest way to get your sports betting info. Head to the site today. You can use Motivice to learn more. BetOnline is where the game starts, and I've been telling you uh, all week long to look at that game when they have TCU as a 13.5-point underdog, right? Um, I told you last week when they had TCU as a 7.5-point underdog to Michigan that that seems out of whack, and I'm telling you going into the Georgia game that 13.5 points feels a little bit out of whack. Now, that's not just because I watch TCU play SMU in basketball and I feel a little bit like of an affinity for the purple. We play those guys next year in conference when we move into the Big 12. I don't I don't want to root for them at all. Um, it is nice to say the Texas doing well, I guess. What I will say is TCU played a ton of weird one-score games this year, and I just don't have faith that their games will be anything but one-score games. So when I see, uh, you know, 13 and a half points, it's at least uh, two touchdowns. I don't think it's gonna. Be, I don't think it's gonna be that. I don't know if TCU wins. I just don't think it's gonna be that big a spread. So I'm saying to pick the TCU with the points there. I, I wouldn't go with the money line, but take them with the points there. And I think you should do it at BetOnline.net. That's where the game starts. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16 car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. All right. So if I look at this as more of um, X's and O's type stuff, obviously that wasn't at the forefront of the media questions for Samson. So I did a little bit of digging. Um, and I, I want to go through the matchups as I see them and then talk about the kind of sets and problems they present um, schematically. So I imagine, so uh, Jalen Smith is starting point guard, but he is six foot four. And at their backcourt, he's actually the, their tallest guy. I think Houston puts Tremont Mark on him because of Tremont Mark's length and that Samson is kind of seeing him as like a like key cog in their machine, right? Like they changed up a lot of things. And if he, even if he's their biggest guard um and their point guard i could i want tremont i think tremont mark will be on him and i want to say that's because uh the length should a cover up passing lanes and b kind of take away jalen smith's advantage he's had as a six foot four point guard in college basketball so far right um that said i could also see a traditional matchup we see 
Jamal shed on him just because he's the best guard defender perhaps in the country. He's just a little bit smaller um, and, you know, kind of leaves that advantage to the six, four guy. Um, but I, ima- I imagine you'll see Tremont Mark on him for stretches and I bet he starts the game out on him. That leaves uh, Jamal shed and Marcus Sasser somewhat interchangeably cover uh, Zurich Phelps and Zach Nuttall. Now, I think I'd put Shed on Phelps and Sasser on Nuttall um, just because their offense kind of relies fairly heavily on getting Phelps going. Um, Phelps is getting like 20 points a game and Nuttall is getting more like 15. Um, That's a very high scoring backcourt in college basketball. And so I think that obviously Sasser is a great defender and Shed is a great defender. Uh, It's not any, any secret. I just I feel like Phelps is kind of the more important guy to what they do, and I feel like Shed has just got a slight edge as a defender. In both cases, though, Houston is giving up a couple inches. They got Phelps and not all both listed at six foot three. Uh, I've seen Sasser and Shed listed all over online as six one or six two. I tend to think it looks Shed looks a little bit short, so I think he's probably like about six one, maybe rounds up to six one, and uh, Sasser's you know rounding up to six two. But um, all that to be said, that I imagine. I it, it, again with with Mark on Jalen Smith, I probably put Shed on Phelps and Sasser on Nuttall, which leaves the big men. So Samuel Williamson, the big former McDonald's All American, um, kind of plays in and outside. That's a natural matchup for Jarris Walker when he is in the game. Um, that's not to say that other big men can't cover him when they rotate some of those guys in, like the Reggie Chaney's world, JBR Francis of the world. I imagine you'll see J1 Roberts on him, but in the starting lineup, I think we're going to see Jarris on him because he kind of has the same in and out versatility. Jarris can play the big man down low defensively and move with him on the perimeter very, very well. As long as he doesn't foul him shooting threes, I guess, Samson will probably leave him out there to do that. Um, their big man is uh, Jeff Odigi. Um, I've heard that pronounced several ways online, and that makes me uncomfortable to say, but Jeff Odigi is 6'9", 255. He's from Houston, ProVision Academy. Um, he is a traditional garbage big man, and I mean that like garbage, like tough, dirty, not like he's not any good. He's very good. Um I I imagine that draws the J1 Roberts uh, to start. I could see, though, because he is a big, strong guy that Houston cycles guys through. Javier Francis gets his 10 minutes, a couple fouls, and uses his length. Reggie Chaney uses, I mean, he's got like a bunch of like old man tricks. He's been around for so long, right? He comes in and uses some of that toughness. He's kind of gritty, right? Use some of that toughness. And I could see a rotation of bigs kind of knocking that guy around a little bit. Um, because frankly, I think that that's what it's going to take. Uh, he is not like a, a great score. I think he's got, it looks like eight and a half points per game. Um, but they rely fairly heavily on Odigi and Williamson for the rebounding. And I, you know, honestly, I, I feel like I trust our guys there weirdly because they're not crazy out athleted in a way that they might have been against Oregon or, or Alabama, even, right? Um, the only guy with any significant minutes off the bench in a per game sense um, is uh, Todorovic. The, the forward that I mentioned started when they had uh, Zurich Phelps playing the point guard spot. Um, and so, you know, I think that part of that uh, move is really just to get into more traditional sets. They rotate one of those guards out, Jalen Smith or Phelps or not, or whoever, and put him in as a forward. Um, I, again, I think we're going to rotate forwards too. I wonder if Houston will have some advantage in rotating guard depth in as well. They've gone to Emmanuel Sharp fairly early last few contests. Um, I could also see this being a Terrence Arsenal game because we'll get to a minute what SMU does on defense, but kind of opens up some lanes for him to shoot the ball. And we know that that's at least what Samson thinks of Arsenal 
in the present tense. I know projecting future tense, he's got a lot more potential in his bag, and it'd be nice to see that kind of stuff in a conference game as well. Um, offensively, in sets, they run what's traditional. They run either four out, one in kind of stuff because Samuel because uh, Samuel Williamson can do that. But the other sets they run a lot of are horns sets. So the point guard brings the ball to the floor, and then it looks like an upside down horns where you've got. Shooters are wing guys in the corners, and then your posts are both uh, kind of at the lane lines, but at the top of the key three-point area. Um, point guard goes off a one of the two, and then one of them shoots down to the block, and they kind of turn that into eventually a handoff that leads to a Spain pick and roll. And by Spain pick and roll, this is things that a national team Spain did many, many years ago, um, where basically they'd run a pick and roll with the big guy after one of these handoffs, the pick guy that's still on the outside. So think... Samuel Williamson's out there for a handoff on uh, Zurich Phelps, right? And then um, as he's rolling, the low big man goes and screens the guy that switched onto him or the, the guy covering the outside big. And so it's a screen the screener kind of situation on the pick and roll play. Um, they do that to open up Samuel Williamson a lot because he is such a versatile athlete. Um, and then truthfully, what they, they get accomplished more often than not is they're getting – Phelps are not all moving downhill. And then that kind of forces all that mess, forces the, one of the big men to be out of position um, and too far away from the basket to defend the rim, right? What I'm thinking here is, is that Houston does such a great job of trapping up the ball screens that they may have to kind of alter how they do that. And they may like pull the ball out and dump it in to make Samuel more of a distributor. Um, he does not a big assist guy statistically and teams haven't forced him into it in a couple games I've watched. And so I'll be interested to see how that works for him. Um, he is a tremendous athlete, though, so they're going to need to get a guy in front of him and tag the roller. We know that in Tulsa, the uh, first few possessions, <laughs> uh, Houston had trouble with that. <laughs> so we'll see how they handle that there. Um, in the Hawaii game, I thought was, first of all, Hawaii game was Christmas Day. I remember SMU wore red, Hawaii wore green, and then it ended in a buzzer beater. That was kind of a crazy comeback for Hawaii. They were down like 10 or 12 points at one point in the second half in that game. Um. For most of the game, the only shots SMU had taken were in the paint slash layup type floater shots, right? Close shots, threes, or free throws. They were avoiding the mid-range. I want to see Samson's defense and the way that it runs people off the three-point line impact that a little bit. I wonder if he can get guys into that mid-range where they're uncomfortable. And so we'll see kind of what he um, and the Cougars do defensively there to force that because clearly it's not what they want to do. They, they didn't shoot them in that game. And then uh, they avoided shooting them as best they could. They got a couple up, but they didn't look like they were trying to get to those spots. They just got kind of late shot clock kind of shots up in the mid-range in the TCU game. So can Houston force them into more mid-range shots? Um, defensively, um, I don't I don't mean to count my chickens for the hatch. I wasn't too terribly impressed with SMU. Um, they were slow to double the post, but in a way that made me think that they kind of want to double the post. Like it looked like the guards were hesitant to just leave their people and go down and both the SMU and, and both the uh, Hawaii and TCU games. Um, but they eventually did get there. So I couldn't tell if they were trying to, or the schematic thing was there. Um, they played behind the post, the guy covering him, which made me also think they want to double the post because otherwise that's just really easy entry pass. Um, so I imagine there'll be some interesting things there that initially makes me think this is a Jawan Roberts gets 15 points kind of game uh, very, very easily. Right. Because um, a, we know what he does when he puts his right shoulder and guys gets to his left hook and B Samson loves feasting on that kind of stuff. You can get some high, low action with Jarris at the high 
and uh, Jawan Roberts low. You can get high high low action with Jawan Roberts high and Javier Francis or Reggie Chaney low as well. Um, and then I frankly love uh, it's called a stampede cut where basically you line up your five man a Reggie Chaney type five man out at the three point line. And the goal is is not that like instead of posting up about four feet away, he lines up twenty five feet away and just goes a full on sprint to the spot he would typically be posting up in guard gets to drop it off. And then he's got a full head of steam, right? I, I wonder if they're going to do that kind of stuff to get them the ball actions down there. Um, uh, part of the reason I wasn't impressed with them is they were switching a lot of ball screens, even like a one five ball screen at the top of the key. Uh, SMU was a, that, that is, and um, they were playing fairly level, not doing anything too crazy. Um, if they switch those ball screens, Sash is going to have a field day. And so I imagine they're trying to treat him, him a little differently because he's, you know, preseason conference player of the year and those kinds of things. So, I'll be interested to see if they change their tendencies from the uh, TCU and Hawaii games for that, but we'll see. And then, um, honestly, I don't, I don't know once they change how well rehearsed they'll be at those things. They've had a few days they hadn't played since Sunday, um, and it's a conference game, so you know they're preparing. They got a home at home, so game plans are important. But I don't know. I don't know what we'll see that they do. Lastly, they're not a great rebounding team um, against. Hawaii, they were fairly even, but they had kind of got a big lead early, like I said. And so some of the rebounds came back to bite them. They were fairly even rebounding team against TCU as well. Um, in watching the clips there, I thought it was interesting with so many um, so many free throws being shot in that game. They led to a lot of free throw rebounds, and those count the same. I wonder what it would be like without so many free throw rebounds. Again, TCU shot 29 free throws and that means they missed uh 11 of them i don't it smu got a lot of those 11 rebounds and so like that adds to their total and if it was an even total with that 11 what would have been like without it so i say to say that houston could have a good big day on the boards and that's interesting because samson's kind of always written off this team as a rebounding team thus far and like what does that mean if like they can kind of get back on track in the american conference speaking of back on track it is the new year and if it's new year new you kind of year for you, let me talk to you a little bit about Built Bar, the company you should be doing it with. Built Bar's delicious treat that doesn't have all the fat or calories. You got to go try it. Uh, it gets you through the holidays, um, especially after like a season where I'm eating a lot. We have like at Christmas at our, our my grandma's house, we had like three pies, two cakes. My grandma does bake Jesus a birthday cake for Christmas. Um, Built Bar is a great way to get back on track. It's healthy and actually tasty. Uh, for starters, it's covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, real chocolate they have unreal flavors like uh churro and peanut butter brownie all kind of coconut almond kind of stuff under that real chocolate i'm not sure how they do it uh, but it tastes like a candy bar while maintaining all of your amazing macronutrients uh 130 calories four grams of sugar and a whopping 17 grams of protein you need to wait around to get a box for years been talking about ordering built bars at built.com now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club as well. That's right. Head to your, like, low, head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk in the pharmacy section. Grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pack, pick up a four box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. Uh, if you're close to a Sam's Club, remember to grab the 13-bar box. They're hit flavors, brownie, batter, and churro. You can thank me later. My favorite, though, and if you just want my advice here, is the coconut almond. It tastes like an Almond Joy, if you're an Almond Joy person. If not Almond Joy person, probably don't like it. But if you like Almond Joy, the coconut almond tastes like Almond Joy, and that's the one I'm going to recommend that you go get. So go get a Built Bar at Built.com today. The NCAA tournament is almost here. 
and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, third segment. Need to talk to you about my preview. Um, I went to Ken Palm to do some research for this. Um, Ken Palm was not too nice to uh, the Mustangs. Um, Houston, for reference, and Ken Palm has the 14th-ranked adjusted offense, second-ranked adjusted defense. Um, they're projecting Houston go 16-2 and two in uh, conference. Um, to be fair, I think that there's probably one or two tough road games in there um, that they're assuming will go south. I also, to be fair, have, have not mentioned that I, I, don't, I don't think Houston goes undefeated in conference. I don't think Houston goes undefeated on the year either. Um, however, this is not a very favorable deal. Uh, these analytic statistics for SMU. Admittedly, look at the whole season. Samson, I opened with talking about like he focused on just the more recent part of it, and that probably does throw off the analytics somewhat. However, um, SMU and Kimpom, where Houston is ranked number one, uh, SMU is ranked 141st. Um, yep, you read that right. Um, <laughs> they've got. The SMU offense at 174th for adjusted efficiency uh, and defense at 125th. Um, now, admittedly, um, their defense is slightly above D1 average. Um, and they're you know holding the ball for about a little more than half a shot clock, playing a relatively slow pace. Um, Houston, actually, for what it's worth, also plays at what feels like a slow pace, but relative to the entire country, um, they're playing about five or six possessions faster per game. Um, and so I, you know, or sorry, five or six possessions slower per game. They're not that far off of track there. Um, I, I said to say that on paper, this shouldn't be close. Um, Houston's got future pros on it. I don't know that SNU does, although uh, Phelps and Williamson might get shots um, on just talent alone. I don't know if Nuttall does or not, but um, what I will say though is, A, we saw in the football game uh, that SMU takes this rivalry seriously. We also saw in the football game uh, and we've seen in SMU across the last 12 months, they're upset that Houston's going to the Big 12 and they're not, right? They were just as upset uh, was been a dozen years ago now when TC went to the Big 12 and they did not. Um, frankly, they feel like they're kind of the school moving on up the charts that's getting left out. Um, they are. They also don't have the number two team in the country. Speaking of being number two team in the country, um, that fuel for the rivalry is the SMU side. The Houston side here, well, I don't know if Houston actually thinks about SMU basketball in the same way. We saw what happened to Houston the last time they had a very clear-cut chance to become the number one team in the country. They played Kent State in a game that was Way, way too close, right? 49-44 at home on a Saturday afternoon. Now, admittedly, I think Kent State is a tournament team. I think they're a very good basketball team. They're not a five points close to Houston at home kind of basketball team. But the stars are very clearly aligned with wins and losses throughout the week that if Houston had beaten Kent State that Saturday, and they did, they would go on to be the one team in the country. Those stars are aligning again this week, right? Um, UConn and Purdue have both lost, I guess, Purdue lost right for the last ranking, so Houston moved up to two, and now UConn has lost to Rutgers. And so, theoretically, if Houston handles business on Thursday and handles business on uh, Sunday, 
they should be the number one team in the country again. Um, I could see the same way. I think that that pressure got to them a little bit in that uh, Kent State game. I could see it popping up again. Hopefully, the second time around, it's not as strong. Um, and they played a couple weeks as number one team in the country. So, you know, admittedly, that there should be some comfort there. Um, but that's an external thing. I see seeking its seeping its way in here. But that's all external things on paper and hopefully on the hardwood. This should not be close. Um, but if some of those things get in there, that rivalry up and down I-45, um, this, you know, are we number one team in the country kind of nonsense. Last time through the American Conference, you got a bullseye in your back. All of those things. Um, I, and then the natural Houston versus Dallas thing that is just in everything we do um, make me worry that like if Samson in my notes here, if Samson had not been so profoundly like we can't take this game lightly to open up media, media availability on Tuesday, I'd be, I'd be very worried. I'm still worried about it because of those things. And frankly, I just get a little jittery and nervous for all games, but I'll be talking about it and tweeting through the nervousness on Thursday night. So you can find me to talk to me on Twitter. You can find me at painsworth 512 is P A I N S W O R T H five, one, two. I'm love talk. All things. Cougs we had a great recruiting episode yesterday with Rob Sellers. So if you want to go check that out, we can talk more about recruiting as well. I'm constantly talking to Rob now, bugging Rob about, uh, you know, who's going to be where. So we can talk recruiting in football, basketball, et cetera. We can talk, uh, Houston Rockets drop one. I guess they cut it to 11 maybe in that game. They dropped an ugly one that Steven Silas got ejected out of on Wednesday night. Um, the Astros are kind of the opposite of the spectrum, <laughs> right? Uh, so we can talk about them as well. I, I don't want to talk about the Texans. But I guess we can talk about the Texans. Do whatever you want to. They can find me at Painsworth. I want to talk about all things Houston sports. Obviously, they talk about sneakers and those kinds of things as well. Um, whatever you like to, you find me at Painsworth. I want to all social media handles. Make sure you subscribe now to the show. Thank you all so much for listening and making us your first listen of the day. If you're looking for a second listen of the day, I'm going to recommend Locked on College Basketball, not just because I was on two segments of it the other day following that uh, UConn loss where we talked about Houston becoming the number one team in the country and what that would mean again, as well as like Houston moving the Big 12 and that how crazy the basketball conference will be, but because Andy and Isaac both are on a great show, so make sure you check them out as Locked on College Basketball, Locked on's national college basketball show each and every day thank you all again so much for tuning in locked on cougs is probably the locked on podcast network that's your team every day go the ncaa tournament is almost here and listening to locked on college basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket so don't wait find locked on college basketball on youtube or wherever you get your podcasts part of the locked on podcast network Your team, every day.